Welcome to Miami Creators. I am your host, Corrado. I am a photographer here in beautiful Miami, Florida, and each week I bring you the inspiring stories behind Miami's most influential businesses, individuals, entrepreneurs, and more. Today we are joined by the man behind some of the most talked about spots in past episodes, along with himself also being mentioned countless times by other Miami creators as someone who is doing great things for our community. Matt Kusher, aka Kush, along with the rest of the Kush hospitality team, are responsible for one-of-a-kind concepts like Kush Winwood, Locale, Vicky's House, La Cocina, and Stevens Deli. Today, you'll hear Matt share some of the many lessons learned along the way, unforgettable memories from his first location opening, the creative process that leads to some of his ideas, and so much more. So, without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this insightful conversation with Matt Cush. Matt, welcome to the show, man. What's up? What's up? <laughs> Dude, I don't think there is anybody else or any other businesses that have been mentioned on this show more than you have. We do a Miami rapid fire, which is favorite food spot. And hey, who's somebody else that's doing awesome things? Your name comes up more often than not, man. So I'm excited to have you on. If those people can give me access to their bank accounts, <laughs> that would be <laughs> would mean a lot more. It would be a good return, right? <laughs> Before we get started, why don't you take a few minutes to introduce yourself, your business, everything for anyone that may be just tuning in and is not very familiar. Uh, my name is Kush and um, I own uh, Kush Hospitality Group. That entails uh, Locale, uh, which is my first restaurant in Coconut Grove, uh, Kush, which is in uh, Wynwood, Stevens Deli in Hialeah, which is the oldest uh, deli, uh, Jewish style deli in Florida, uh, La Cocina, which is a cocktail bar here in Hialeah. Uh, we just uh, converted our spillover to a Kush by spillover. So that's kind of our Kush seafood version. That's also on Coconut Grove. And we have a couple other things like uh, we have a Kush in the timeout market and a couple other fun things. But Vicky's house is uh, a homage to my mom, milkshake bar. And uh, yeah, that's it. What do you think is the what, what sets your brand apart from all the other stuff? All uh, of these concepts, everything. What, well, what I do that, uh, I don't know if it sets it apart, but what I like to do is I like to focus on the details. I try to find the one thing that everybody is does overlooks and is generic and try to make that the centerpiece. So, you know, I spend a lot of time and money on my bathrooms because bathrooms are just, you want it to be clean and that's kind of, you know, where it is. I want to find out how I can get the most interesting urinal cake there is, you know, because it's the one thing that someone just buys and puts in there. So I try to find the details and everything. And, and really, I think what separates us or, or I would like to think separates us is that I'm just never satisfied. So whether it's our the quality of product and their food, whether it's a service, whether it's decor, whether it's the music, whether it's the what we do for the kids, what we do for the dogs, what we do for charity, I try to hit you. So if you don't care about food or you don't care about music or you don't care about kids, hopefully you have a dog and you care about that. <laughs> and I try to do as many different areas so that I get you at least a couple of check marks on there. Right. Um, and that's kind of, I think, what I do a little, well, I don't know if I do it differently, but that's what I like to do. Where do you usually turn to for ideas, inspiration? Well, it's a collaborative thing. You know, I, I, don't, I definitely don't take credit. I have an amazing staff, an amazing team on my on my end, and, and I definitely welcome all input. A lot of the great ideas that I get credit for are not my ideas. Um, I just give people an outlet to do them. Um, on the design and creative side, you know, I've been working with uh, Camila Rojas, 
since day one. And, and we are an amazing team because I have these crazy, crazy ideas and then he can figure out how to execute them, which I would not be able to do. So we're kind of like a, a great couple when it comes to that kind of um, design output. And uh, that uh, what's, a, what's up- an example for somebody who's never been to any of your spots? What's one one idea, one thing that you're particularly proud? And what was the process of kind of executing on that? Uh, I don't know if it's the proudest, but the most recent one would be uh, the last two recent ones was. Um, I decided to get uh, some cheap bottles and just label them fuck 2020 and sell them for $20 a bottle. And uh, if they sell fantastic, if it's great marketing, even better. If I mess up on a table and we can give it to a guest and it'll turn their frown upside down, <laughs> whatever, whatever works. I think that was a fun one. And then we just started doing this moose juice, which we kind of like did a little homage to like mad dog 2020. And it kind of plays into 2020. So we're doing a moose juice, which is obviously from Mr. Moe's in the Grove. If you uh, grew up here and uh, we just did that really kind of yesterday, like our, our to go moose juice, uh, mad dog style. And I've, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's going to be a home run. Um, and how we came up with that again, collaborative with an amazing team and a lot of sleepless nights. Take us through the story of how you got to where you are today. Like, what was that that road? Is this something that you grew up on? Sure. Like hospitality, all of that? It was a cloudy day, the 10th of October in 1978. No, I, I mean, I, you know, my, I'm a third, restu- third generation restaurateur. Uh, my dad uh, had cafeterias that I grew up with. You know, when I was a kid, I grew up in a Dunkin' Donuts back then. That was when Dunkin' Donuts was, you know, you still made the donuts on premise. So we were the only one in town. And I basically slept there. It was a 24-7 operation for my for my family. And so that was it. That was, that was kind of my upbringing. My grandfather owned delis and bars in New York and Florida and also a donut shop. So it's kind of, I've always known that this was my path I was going to do, how I was going to get here and what I was going to do was obviously unwritten, but I knew this was where I was going to go. Um, I flunked out of uh, college uh, my freshman year. Somehow I uh, got into FIU. Uh, when I flunked out, my dad knew somebody that kind of was on this faculty or whatever it was, and they kind of like, walked me in. I'm, I didn't grow up in Miami, so for me- Where did you grow up? I, I grew up outside of Washington, D.C. Okay. Um, so I went to University of Arizona- Flipped over a cop car during the 1996 championship of the basketball uh, NCAA tournament. Flunked out, came to FIU, and it kind of changed my life around. So I look at FIU with a lot of pride for myself um, because it kind of was a little like you look in the mirror and say, are you going to be a loser or are you going to kind of turn around and do something? And that was my moment at at FIU that I did that. And uh, I studied hospitality there, obviously. And uh, from there, I, I just, you know, I took a corporate job in restaurants. I was working there for 11 years always trying to figure out how to open up a restaurant. That was always the plan. I had a lot of failures in setting it up. Thank God they didn't go through because they would have been real failures, but more like hiccups, I guess. And um, in 2011, I finally raised enough money from friends and family on a real shoestring budget to open up Locale, which was at that time on a street that had literally for rent signs on both sides for the entire block. And that's it. I put my, my, all my, all my juice into that and, and, and thank God it worked. And from there, you know, we kept on going. What was that first day? Like what was opening day or opening night or what opening was that night like? of locale? Yeah. Oh, well yeah, that, that was, you know, the thing about being a businessman and an entrepreneur, I think it's the greatest thing about this country. I take a lot of pride in it. And I also take a lot of pride in helping other entrepreneurs kind of get through this process because you can be the most talented person and you can have, you know, whatever, all, all the talent, all the gifts, all the money, all that stuff. But the reality is there's a dream and a goal and it, you can always dream. I could always say my dream is I want to open a restaurant or I want to do this or that. But once you're there, 
it's put up or shut up. You, you, it's not a dream anymore. And if it fails, it can do a lot to you mentally. Obviously, financially, it could do a lot to you as well. But you know, it's easy to go around for 10 years working for someone else and telling them what they're doing wrong. And then when you're doing it yourself, making sure that it's successful is, is, is scary. So if you want to walk me that first night, I was scared shitless. Um, you know, I've never... I, you know, I sat there, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty serious guy. Uh, and, uh, especially when it comes to work at least. And that night I remember just, I, I don't drink on the job. Um, uh, I drink a lot at home, but I don't drink at work. And, um, I make it a big purpose that night. I took a shot of Jack Daniels because I was just shaking so much. I needed to calm my nerves. I've, I've never taken a shot that literally tasted like water because it just did nothing to me as, as far as my nerves. But the moment I really remember about that night is just grabbing my wife at one point. I'm actually getting emotional. Wow. Um, and just dancing with her behind the bar because I was just like, this is it. Like, it was like ecstasy. It was yeah. like, we're here. Like, I've been talking about this my whole life. And today's the day. We're here. Like, it was tough. There was a lot of, lot of, you know, bumps and trials and tribulations. And it was not an easy. Nobody gave me money and was like, here you go. Have fun. No, that, that wasn't the path. And so to actually get to the point where, hey, this is our restaurant. And I'm looking at my wife and we're just kind of dancing behind the bar, slow dancing. It was, uh, it was, that was the moment I remember the most, to be honest with you. That's awesome. At what point did you feel like, or did you ever feel like, okay, this, this is good. Like we, we've got our, we, we've got solid footing. We we're standing on solid ground. We've got something here. Yeah. So the answer to that is I'm in the restaurant industry and, and, and you know, talk, sure talk to people in different industries. In my industry, it's, it's here today, gone tomorrow. So I, I, I've never felt like that. Uh, and I think that's what drives me every day. Uh, I, just, just because it's a success today doesn't mean that tomorrow it's gone. So I treat every day like it's my last day or like it could be taken from me. And uh, so I don't feel like that. And I've never felt like that. I guess the day that will feel like that is when I have enough money that I can just say, fuck you, I'll go to Spain. <laughs> have that F you money, right? I live there, but I don't think that's happening anytime soon. And, right. and uh, until then, I'm scared. Uh, yeah. And I run my operation scared, which is why I kept you waiting for 20 minutes because I'm scared that... <laughs> I might not see those guys coming in for to, to do takeout yeah. orders tomorrow if, if they don't get good service today. Yeah. Um, my industry is not like uh, you know Britney Spears writing a hit song and she still makes money thirty years later and she can do whatever she wants. I got to hit it. I write a hit song every day. Right. Um, what are some of the biggest misconceptions or or things that you wish the general public understood about your industry? That well, people think it's fun. This is a business just like any other business. There are moments of having fun, you know, being part of a team is fun. There are moments that are fun, but this is a business. There's nothing fun about business. Business is business. It's fun if you're successful, that's fun, but there's nothing else about it. So people go to restaurants and then think they want that experience, but that's not what owning a restaurant is. At least that's not my experience from owning, uh, from owning a restaurant. Like I told you, I don't drink at my restaurants. I really don't eat in my restaurants. My wife all the time tries to go, let's go to, let's go have lunch. Go. I don't want to go to my restaurants to eat because if I go there, I'm working. So why, why am I going to enjoy myself? How am I going to enjoy myself if I'm sitting there and I'm just analyzing every scenario? No, if I need to check out if I'm going to go out and eat. So the misconception is thinking that it's, it's a party. It's not a party. Again, maybe if you're an investor and you have someone putting in the sweat and uh, you know, it could be a different scenario, probably not going to work out too well for you, but that's the biggest misconception. And honestly, it messes everything up for us because uh, the people in my world who are sweat equity, you know, plunging toilets and really in the mix, there's a whole side of illegal money, drug money, uh, people who have who are rich and want their wife or their friend or whatever. And they open up these restaurants and they take up all the good leases or they overpay on all the rents. 
here in Miami and it makes it very difficult for people like myself to get good rents because there's always some sucker out there willing to overpay for some new spot in Wynwood. And uh, I'm actually, you know, there's very few positives of this Corona world that we're living in, but the reality is one of the positives I'm hoping is that it kind of brings it back to a level playing field of, of real estate because it's hard to find my, my the restaurant industry is very difficult word business of pennies period. And so when you're starting off with a high rent, it's, it's, you're, you're already, you're already, you're already 10 years back. And, um, when there's people that are willing to pay it, they're not, no landlords aren't going to do it. And so that's, that's a misconception. And the thing that bothers me about my industry a lot is that for me to become a lawyer, I have to go to law school. Anybody can come and become a restaurant tour, but they didn't go to school. They, where, where was their school? <laughs> you know, you wrote a book because you like to cook at home. Well, I like to argue with my, you know, my friends. I don't know. Just write a book about arguing. So what, what's, what, where, where was your, yeah. your, 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 you know, your pedigree that you had to, you, you had to earn this. And uh, that's, that's what bothers me. Right. What is, um, you, you know, you, you're kind of touching on something important in terms of like the importance of the, the lease, right? Before you even get going, right? Like that can set you up completely on a, either back or, or set you up in a good spot for success. Would you consider yourself a business person first and then somebody in the, you know, in your case, hospitality second, or are you primarily somebody in hospitality that just happens to be in business? No, I'm a hospitality person. Um, and every business, uh, I've learned, I've learned from my experiences, whether they were my father's experiences, my friend's experiences or whatever. And I'm lucky enough to have, uh, learned them and, and not made too many mistakes in that department. And, and with experience, then you become a business person. Um, I'm not going to pretend I, I could go and get my MBA right now because I could, I couldn't do that. But when it comes to logic, reading a lease, figuring out what's going to work and not going to work, what area is going to work. I feel like now I'm kind of an expert on it, at least in my head I am. Well, and if I can, I, I would say that if you're doing it, you're doing it. Like that's ultimately in business, whether you have a, the degree or not, it yeah. doesn't matter. It's whether, well, can you do it? Can you figure out the problem at hand or not? Right. And so to answer your question, I'm not the guy that's sitting there analyzing my PL for four hours a day. Okay. I look at it. I see what I could be mixed, but I'm a big believer that if we could put out a good product, good service and everything else, the PL is going to be affected right. um, in a positive way. And uh, so in that sense, I'm hospitality first. So what are some of those things that you have learned from experience that you go, this is nothing to do with how good you cook or how good your service is or whatever. These are some of the things that are behind cooking, the scenes. Cooking and food and, and all that is obviously a big part of it. But the reality is when it comes to the success of a restaurant, it's a very minor part of it. Um, it obviously has to be good to some degree. But as you know, I can tell you a hundred restaurants that have the shittiest food in Miami that are successful. <laughs> so does it really yeah. matter? I, I don't know. And, and um, you know, it matters to me because I have integrity and I care about my products. But uh, I, I think that is a very minor thing. And, and, most chefs aren't business people. Um, and that's why a lot of great restaurants, unfortunately close. Um, yeah. I mean, and when it comes down to rent, I, I try to give lessons to all my friends about that. You know, if you see where my restaurants are, all my restaurants are off the beaten path. And that is because I'm scared to lock myself into a high rent situation where we have a hurricane, we have uh, you know, a bad month for whatever Zika's here. Now Corona's here. And, and, and all of a sudden you can't pay your rent no matter how talented you are. 
So I'm always, you know, listen, I, I opened up Locale. Now it's kind of a better area and a hot area, but that corner was not a hot area when I was there, not even close. I opened up Cush. You know, we found basically, you know, a dead body upstairs the week we opened. There was, you know, needles in the in the in the in the back area. It was it was not good place. Uh, spillover, uh, which is now Cush by Spillover, is in Coconut Grove and it's in a nice area, but there's nothing there. I'm we're sitting here in Hialeah right now in the Leo Arts District, and I love it, but we're in East Hialeah. You know, this is I, I pick places that are off the beaten path because I'm choosing business deals that make sense for myself, my team, and the longevity of our brand. Are you factoring in what you think is going to happen with the area long-term? Is it like trying to get in early or or is it? No, I mean, it, that's obviously a, a factor in there, but I worry about my four walls. If if I'm in, uh, in, in Wynwood where Cush is and Wynwood doesn't turn into Wynwood, I don't, I'm not trying, I'm not waiting for that to bring me business. I'm worrying about my four walls. The difference is my rent is low, so I can do that. I can focus on the quality of my service by paying my team maybe a little bit more or, or being able to get a better product in for my food uh, or higher labor costs because I want our service to be better. I can do those things because my rent is at a better place than two blocks away. Right. What are some of the pivotal moments that kind of set you on a certain trajectory, right? You mentioned going to FIU and yep. all of that stuff. Any any other moments that come to mind? Maybe I don't know. Growing up, seeing your family in 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 the restaurant industry and in yep. the hospitality. Any memories that come to mind? Anything that particularly stuck with you? Yeah, I mean, there's a big one because it's probably the biggest uh, moment in my life. Uh, you know, I grew up. I, I don't want to say you know I was, I was upper middle class uh, and I, I had I always worked and I was you know was was aware of what's going on. But you know, I, my my parents had money. Um, and there are at least money for me to, you know, to not have to worry about where my food's coming from in any degree. And uh, when I went to college, my father's business went down the toilet. And in my head, I was 18 and naive and stupid. I just assumed I would take over his business or, or, or somehow inherit his hard work. What was his business? At that time, he owned a cafeteria and it was a cafeteria in, in, in a large government building in Washington, D.C. Okay. So it was basically like a school cafeteria, but in a big building. First off, that what, even if if that was a possibility, it would have made no sense because I didn't know anything about leases or you know like <laughs> you can't just give someone you know that scenario. I didn't own a building, but in my head, that's I just assumed because he was successful that I just get that success, which is just complete stupidity. And uh, you know when I got to college, basically uh, I guess nine eleven happened and and his business just went from they they moved half of the employees out or whatever it is. So it went to zero and he basically just got kicked out of his business and had to move and, and lost all his money and, uh, and lost everything that he was doing. And that was, you know, the best lesson I ever got in life because I went from like a privileged, uh, kid to realizing that it could be gone tomorrow. And that drive that, that happened when that kind of went to my life has not left me today, which is why I'm scared. I'm going to lose my business on a daily Every day I'm scared that this is my last day, whether that makes sense or not. I'm just scared because I know in my industry, one bad review, one, uh, you know, rodent, one bad whatever can change, can change. Um, you know, one lawsuit, one stupidity. You know, there's so many variables in my industry that <laughs> that it's impossible to do it, really. It really is impossible. And we obviously try our best and we, I feel like we're really good at what we do, but um I, I, I'm at it every day. I'm at it every day and I'm scared I'm going to lose it every day. And if it wasn't for my father going through that and me seeing it and him saying like, oh, here's college, 
you've had everything given to you, but now you're on your own. That was fantastic. And I, and I realized that most people never got the first half of that. Um, and I'm very fortunate that I did, but honestly having it and getting it taken away from you is I think worse than not having it at all. Uh, in my case, it was better because it was my drive to kind of get me to where I'm at right now. So seeing that triggers that, you know, that obviously has stuck with you in terms of anything can happen. It can all be gone in any moment. There's probably, there's probably a million different ways that that can affect someone. The two most common ones is become incredibly risk averse, right? Say like, you know what, this is owning your own business is way too risky. I'm just going to go the safe route, find this corporate job, make sure that I have security, whatever that means. Um, In your case, it did, what was it? Was there anything in particular that made you take that experience and, and still decide to go this route and say, with this attitude, rather than say, screw that, I've, I've seen what can happen and I want no part of that? Yeah, you'd, you'd probably have to get a therapist to get that deep into what you're asking <laughs> me. But I, I always knew I was going to be a, a, a businessman or I always knew I was going to own my own business. I guess uh, I was fortunate that my father did drive that into my head to be your own boss. Um, early. And even though it didn't work for him, and it may not work for me, by the way, my story is not written, you know, yet. And, and, and I got a long way to go. Um, and when, when these things happened to my dad, he was much older than me. So it's not like I'm, you know, invincible in any way, but that was always driven in me. And when I did work for a corporate company, I, my goal was always to have my business for myself. I, that was, that was something that for whatever reason was always part of me. I think luckily my whole life, I've been very self-aware. Um, and I know what works for me. I know what I like. I know what I don't like. I have a lot of other faults, but that's been a really big positive in for me. So I always knew that that's, that's something I needed for myself. Nice. You mentioned your dad a couple of times, obviously. I'm, I'm sure he's been somebody very influential in your life. Um, whether it's your dad or anybody else, any other people that are influential in your life that shaped who you are today and, and some examples of how they did that. So, yeah, I mean, the obvious ones are my family. You know, my, my mother is, is, is Puerto Rican off the boat, loud and, and, and big accent and, you know, and likes to party. And my dad's a Jew from Queens and total opposite, just very serious, hard work and puts his head down and just, and just digs and, and, and grinds. Um, and I've been fortunate enough that I, I think I literally took 50% of each of them. When it comes to work, I put my head down and I grind. And when I get home, I like to party and have fun and, and, and be happy with my, my family. Um, where my dad probably doesn't have as much enjoyment and my mom doesn't know anything about business. I, I got the half. So, <laughs> you know, I could say a lot of people helped me, um, with my success. And, and most of those people are still helping me today. You know, those are my, my, my key employees that work with me right now. Like I said, I had a very, uh, I, I worked for a corporate restaurant for 11 years and they didn't help me at all in any of this, but they did help me, uh, standardize my systems and my specs and, and basically learn how to open and, and, and to run a restaurant. Also what they did, which was a very important part of my path of why we're sitting here today is that when I opened my restaurant, I was able to take some employees from there that believed in me. And those people really put me in a place of where we are today. Um, I, As in like, they were like actively helping you do all of these things or like was they it? Quit, they quit with me and, and, and opened up locale with me. Okay. So like David, uh, who opened, who now owns Union um, Beer Store in Little Havana. You know, he worked with me and he trusted me and came over and 
and he was it was me and him running the front and and so and my chef now albert who was doing the same thing spider who's my chef now they're all still employees of ours for the most part they, you know david had said right opens his own place but you know albert was my opening chef and he's still with us uh Zuni was a day one employee. She's still with us. Christy, who came over from 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 my last job, she's our head of marketing. Kristen's my head accountant. Was a day one employee. You right. know, all these people at Jen was a day one employee, and and they all were big parts of our success now. And no one helped me. I think in the, in the ten years I was trying, except for my my parents that I can remember. But a lot of people helped me when I opened. Right. Which, which is a big reason if you're going to open your business, get into your business. You know, if you want to open a sandwich shop, go work at a subway or go work at a sandwich shop and learn what it is because you're going to learn things. And, and I learned a lot because I was in the restaurant industry, obviously, and that's what I did. Yeah. Right. Um, any other experiences or personal struggles that you've had to overcome to do what you're doing today? Uh, well, I mean, I don't want to keep talking about my dad, but, you know, my dad, when that happened, he... At, at late age, you know, late fifties, early sixties, basically had to reinvent himself and start a new business, totally different, totally separate. And he did, and he was now at, at seventy-five is is somewhat successful at it. So what what did he? So to? he did a lot of things. He was a financial advisor and a lot of things. But uh, at the end, what he does now is uh, he actually sells sanitation certificates to restaurants, nursing homes, whoever wherever you sell food. And he's kind of carved his way into this little uh, thing where anybody that serves foods needs to get, you need to have someone on, on period, by the law, someone needs to be certified and your employees need to be trained. And he basically certifies those people and, and, and trains them. And he's kind of carved his little niche there and in a position where he's 75 and he's doing really well in that, in that little, in that little small space for himself. And it just shows you, you know, you put your head down, you can, you know, shit, stuff can go bad and you can just reinvent yourself and even though I haven't had to do that, and I really hope I don't have to, um, it gives me inspiration and hope that it, that I can. So I guess, you know, I want to talk about my father the whole time, but he's obviously a big part of, of my drive. Uh, personally, uh, I've had a very fortunate, loving upbringing. My mom and, and father were really good to me, and, and I had a very fun uh, childhood. Uh, I had a lot of fun in high school. I was popular, and we partied, and we had a good time. So I, I'm a very fortunate person. I married the most amazing person in the world. So up until here, I, I've really been very fortunate in that sense. I could tell you a lot of business struggles and a lot of business tribulations. You know, what people don't realize about opening a business in the city of Miami is that it's impossible. You know, it's, it's impossible to really open a business. You know, it's such a common theme with all the people that I've been talking to, man. Like that's yeah. something that everybody talks about it's a fraternity if you can get to that point um and and not with daddy's money you know the, yeah. not that that takes away anything but uh it makes it different and uh you know when i was getting my locale you know i quit my job obviously and i'm and i'm just going i i didn't get an expert i was going to the city of miami every single day and it's when you're dealing with government it's just a different mentality and you go in there and you're like all right what do i need to do and they say do this this and this you do this this and this you come back and you're like okay well you still need to do this this and this well you didn't tell me that last time all right, well, you still got to do it. Okay, well, then bring back. You got to do this, this, this. I just did. You just told me to do this, and you didn't tell me to do this. So what? It feels like you're in jail because you want to open this business. You, you put your life on it, all your money, all your every, everything, all your hopes, your, your life goals and dreams. You're like, okay, I'm going to do this, and they won't even let you do it. So you feel like you're in jail, and then they're like, all right, you can be released tomorrow, and you're walking up to the gate for their open the gate, and then when they get there, they just close the gate. Ah, you know what? It's going to be another week you think you're getting out of jail. 
So by the by the end, I'll never forget when they finally gave me my certificate that I could open. My, uh, I sat in my car. I looked. You know, I'm not a sensitive guy, even though I've, uh, I'm really not. I just don't. I looked in the mirror. I stared at myself, and I just bawled, crying because I felt like I was in jail. Here you go. No. Here you go. No. Here you go. No. And then I was finally out of jail, and I was like, "Wow! Like I'm out. I'm free." By the way, now I got to open a business, you know, <laughs> right? Which is just fucking insane. Uh, because it's impossible. It's hard. And, and, and there's really a 1% that's fortunate enough to be sitting on, on my side that, that, that is successful there. Yeah. That's crazy. That's something that has come up so often in all these conversations, especially uh, with the brick and mortar, you know, restaurants, stores, everything. Like once you need a physical location that it's not like a business that you're running from your house or, or online or anything like that. Holy crap. The stories I've heard are just complete nightmares. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't want to get political and other, but you know, the government is not efficient in running yeah. the same style as a business period. And the person with the least amount of power or least the lowest position has just as much power as the most important person. Right. Yeah. If that person's bitter for whatever reason, they'll just make your life miserable and there's nothing you can really do about it. And, and there's no, no one's getting fired from the government, you know, like you have to really work to get fired from there. <laughs> so They could just do what they want. You know, they don't come in for, you know, I had to meet for the guy once, you know, to get something, a signature from him. And he didn't go to work that week. It wasn't a vacation. He just didn't go to work. So I'm, I can't, oh, I can't get to the next step until he signs it. And he's not at work. No one else can sign it. And it's like, what the fuck? Yeah. That's crazy. Um, as you're navigating, whether it's business, life, all of these things, um, any, any quotes that you think of often or anything that you try to live by? Yeah. I mean, I guess, you know, this is a basic one, but, you know, trust, but verify. And, and, uh, I, I trust everybody, but I'm always double checking whether I know they're going to do it a million right or not. Um, that, that's a big one for me. Uh, treat people that are good to you better. Uh, I have a lot of employees that, that I say are my family or, or, or and they're good to me and I want to be better to them. If you're not good to me, then, you know, whatever, I don't care. And, I don't dwell on it, but if you're good to me, I want to be good to you. What's next for you and Kush Hospitality? Obviously with all this stuff happening with Corona, but even beyond that, you know, at some yeah. point we'll hopefully put all this shit behind us, but. So I don't like to be too public with what we got going on, but we, uh, we are um, working with a, a small boutique hotel group here in Miami and we're going to be doing the, a bar with them, a cafe with them. So that's kind of exciting. And we were supposed to open this year, but I don't, I don't know. You know, we're, they're still moving forward and we're still moving forward, but we'll see, you know, obviously what happens. Um, so that'll be two more fun concepts um, that we, I got to develop, which is, you know, become my favorite part of this is developing concepts and, and designing them and branding them. And that's kind of the fun part of it. So we got those going and um, yeah, I, I have, uh, I have a lot of conversations going on, I guess is the best way of saying it. But nothing concrete. The only thing that's concrete is a small boutique hotel, and, and they're really cool. I don't want to get into it, like I said before, but yeah. it opens. But um, they're really cool, and it should be a cool project, and, and it'll be fun for Miami to have these kind of concepts here. Nice. So switching into the Miami rapid fire segment, just quick questions. First thing that comes to mind, favorite food spot not owned by you, of course, uh, and dish. I, the first one that comes to my mind is uh, Baloo. I don't know if that's... Uh, my favorite, but I, I love Timon and, and I, I love that restaurant and um, I love the vibe and the energy of it. Where uh, is that? Uh, that's in downtown, um, in downtown Miami. I, I don't know. I'm sure he's doing takeout now, but it's it's pretty much indoors, so I'm not sure if. And uh, favorite dish? Oh shit! 
I guess I, I gun to my head. First thing that comes to my head is I love the pancakes at Chugs. I love those pancakes. Okay. Um, they're really, really good. And I got to give Mike love. He puts uh, syrup on the bottom, which I never did before. And it's amazing that he does that. It never runs out. Right. When you put it on top, you always have to constantly put syrup on top. It was the smartest slash <laughs> most obvious thing that's happened. And so I guess that's my favorite dish right now. Um, that's it. Cool. Perfect way to spend a Miami weekend. Um, well, I don't know if this counts, but I, I love going to the Keys, but I guess that's not typically Miami. Um, I love Cuban crafters on Southwest 7th Street uh, or Northwest 7th Street. I'm sorry. And uh, I love going in there, getting a cigar and just like seeing Miami. You can see a congressman next to a plumber next to, you know, four Cuban guys just playing dominoes and smoking cigars. It's one of my favorite Miami things to do. Um, I wish I could do it more often, but when I do it, it always puts a smile on my face. Uh, I love Cuban crafters. I love happy wine on 8th Street. Uh, to me, that's a, such a Miami experience. You go there on a Thursday, Friday night, and have you been there before? No. Oh. Never been to Happy Wine? So good. Um, you just see basically all these people that maybe don't go to the type of restaurants that I would typically go to, and they're just having a blast, getting drunk, and dancing all night. Never seen somebody like Abuelos and Abuelas just dancing in a you know spot, not with their family, just you know having fun. I love to take my out-of-town uh, guests there. Um, I love dive bars. Don't go as much as I'd like to, but I love like Happy Stork in North Bay Village. Uh, I love Seven Seas and uh, the Gables. Um, I just love dive bars. If you're stuck in Miami traffic, what are you listening to? Howard Stern. Okay. Um, or Bob Marley. Now they just literally like this week, they just started the Tough Gong station on Sirius which I've been dying for since I've been driving. And so I think it's only for a month, which is driving me nuts, but I've been listening to it nonstop. All right. Any, you mentioned several already, but any other Miami businesses, individuals, entrepreneurs, or anything that you want to mention and highlight for, for the amazing things that they're doing? Yeah, I love my, I love my industry. And I love the people in my industry. I, I love, uh, I mean, Richard Hales and Michael Beltran and, 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 and Danny Surfer. And I mean, I can go down John Falco. I can list them all day long. Um, but I, I love uh, I love the brewery industry, the beer industry. Um, you know, Louis Brignoni, who I think you had here, was is amazing. Um, I, I love the people that are in my exact position, whether they do something different, whether they came from someone working for somebody, they opened up their business. And I like to call it the plunge the toilet, you know, owner, like where the toilet was needs to be plunged, and you're plunging the toilet, and then now they've seen some success. Um, that doesn't mean they're not plunging toilets. Hopefully, they're not as much. But those people are the soul and the fabric of what make up Miami. Um, you know, I, I do a little uh, alter ego Captain Kush Instagram, and I try to highlight places in Miami or things in Miami that bring its soul and are unique and bring a character. Uh, I also have a little Hall of Fame wall at Kush Coconut Grove for the same thing, and I highlight people that bring make us a unique city. And I love those people. I love that. Um, and I can't stand the other side of Miami, which is typically the, you know, the 1990 South Beach scene that right. still exists in many different Doral's, Brickles, South Beaches and whatever's. Um, I just can't stand that soulless, soulless business. So I want to give credit to anybody that's plunged toilets and opened their own business, basically. Love it. In a second, I'm going to ask you to share with the listeners the best way that they can connect with you and everything. But before we do that, is there anything that we missed, anything that... 
I didn't ask that you wish I had any, anything that you want to bring up to the listeners, any parting thoughts, anything. The mic is yours. I just, you know, nothing just, you know, I love entrepreneurship. And I think, like I said, it's a great thing about this country. So if you have a dream and you have a, 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 something that you want to show to the world, I highly recommend doing that. And if you're going to do that, I highly recommend every decision you make to be towards that. Um, because the second you make decisions that aren't towards that, then you're not really, it's a, still, it's still a dream and not a goal. Uh, and sometimes that means taking less money. And that sometimes means being estranged from your partners a little bit. Um, but if you have a goal, go out and, and do it. You know, the, the year or two before I opened up Locale, it was tough for my wife and I. I was trying to open a business, raise money, work a full-time job, write a book on the side. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was tough. And, um, and now when I get to look at my wife and say, hey, we created this. This is ours. No one's going to take that away from us. Whether, whether we're broke when a year or not, no one can take away that I've made people's lives different. I know people that have met at my restaurant who have married and have kids now, and I'm part of that story. And anybody that wants to be part of that story should go out and, and, and do it. That's it. Love it. What's the best way for listeners to connect with you, company, see what you guys are up to, everything? Sure. If you want to see what, um, you know, what my baby and my kids are doing on a daily basis, you can follow me on Instagram um, at MattCush305. But the best way to, to connect is really at the restaurants because that's where it's fun and cool and we're doing really fun stuff. Cush um, Coconut Grove, Cush Wynwood. Uh, Stevens Deli, 1954, La Cocina, Hialeah, uh, Vicky's House, Locale Coconut Grove, Captain Kush, 305. Yeah. Cool. And listeners, obviously, remember everything is linked to in the show notes. Um, Matt, thank you so much, man. Thank you so much. I had a fun time. Awesome. Hey, guys, this is Corrado again. Two quick things before you take off. One, remember that you can find detailed show notes for every single episode at miamicreators.com. And two, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share this with someone you think would find it interesting. That's it. Until next time, thank you for listening.